Welcome to Healthcare Highwire, where we balance business with healthcare. Sandy has served as Director of Clinical Operations, Clinical Compliance Specialist, and Director of Nursing Services. She joined LCS in 2013, where she is the Director of Clinical Services for our life plan communities. Today's host, Sandy Toole. Jennifer is the ANCC Accredited Provider Program Director and Mock Surveyor in the Health Services Division at LCS. She oversees the Life Care Services Accredited Provider Unit, which plans, develops, and executes ANCC Accredited Nursing Continuing Professional Development Education. Today's speaker, Jennifer Williams-Land. Welcome, everyone. Today, we're going to discuss the new Phase 3 requirements of participation. I'm Sandy Toole, and I am joined again today by my colleague, Jennifer Williams-Lamb. As a reminder, Phase 3 went into effect in 2019 with no interpretive guidelines, and then on June 29th of this year, CMS has released that surveyor guidance, which will begin October 24th, just a few days away. Our goal is to try to help you understand each of these changes and how you can best be prepared. Each podcast, we are showcasing one of those changes taking place, and today we're going to talk about trauma-informed care. Hey there, Jennifer. Thanks for joining. Hey, Sandy. It's always good to be with you and to be here to help everyone who may have those questions about Phase 3 ROP changes. Together, we're going to work through each area and have a better understanding and be prepared for the October 24th deadline. That sounds great. How about we recap for our listeners what they can expect from the podcast series? Of course. Each podcast covers one of the 14 areas with phase three changes. We will utilize information provided to us from CMS, ACA, and Leading Age. And as always, we reference the State Operations Manual, Appendix PP, to provide the same information that the state surveyors use when they come in to do the state survey. So as always, Sandy and I advise that you download the SOM and follow along with us to get the most complete information. That is, once again, great advice. Well, as we said, today we're going to talk about trauma-informed care, and this includes FTAG 699. Jen, you want to define the tag with these changes? Yes. Okay, so this tag, they had two new definitions, so we're going to define those. That's trauma and trauma-informed care. Trauma results from an event, series of events, or set of circumstances, physically or emotionally harmful or life-threatening, and has lasting effects on an individual's functioning and mental, physical, social, emotional, or spiritual well-being. Trauma-informed care is an approach to delivering care that involves understanding, recognizing, and responding to the effects of all types of trauma, recognizing the widespread impact and signs and symptoms of trauma in residents, and avoiding re-traumatization. Studies show that 70% of adults in the U.S. have experienced some type of traumatic event, and there is a direct correlation between trauma and physical health conditions. Survivors of trauma include military veterans, survivors of disaster, which could be human or naturally caused, survivors of abuse, history of homelessness, history of imprisonment, and a traumatic loss of a loved one. Those are great examples of potential trauma. And I just want to take a moment to remind our listeners 
of disasters like Hurricane Ian that just passed through our Florida communities and the incredible devastation that was created in the state overall. I think, Jen, this just hits a little bit too close to home for me. And I want to make sure that our listeners are monitoring those individuals carefully over the next several months for any lingering effects of trauma that could have been created by that event. I'm going to guess that there are going to be some residents who do experience some issues. I can tell you, Jen, I don't even live in Florida. I have a lot of family who is in that area, and I feel like I'm experiencing some side effects from that event. So uh, make sure you're, you're monitoring those residents carefully. Absolutely. Jen, what kind of guidance can we provide here? Well, the intent of F-699 was that facilities should deliver care or services that meet professional standards, use approaches which are culturally competent, and you're going to hear a little more on that, account for residents' experiences and preferences, and address the needs of the trauma survivor. Cultural competency includes language and cultural preferences, as well as thoughts, communication, actions, customs, beliefs, etc., of racial, ethnical, religious, or social groups. This is actually very vital to person-centered care. It is not enough to have a blanket statement in care plans and so forth, because everybody's individual. They're going to have individual needs. And so it needs to be more culturally competent. While care and services must always be person-centered and honor the resident's choices and preferences, what is different about providing care and services to a trauma survivor is that these residents may have lost the ability to trust caregivers and to feel safe in their environment. As a result, the principles of trauma-informed care must be addressed and applied purposefully. The principles surrounding this care include ensuring that the resident feels safe, that there should be a sense of trustworthiness and transparency, peer support and mutual self-help, if practicable, can occur. Collaboration of peers who may have similar similar experiences might be able to have uh, group discussions. And then empowerment by allowing that resident to have an active voice and make their own choices. Trauma-informed care screening should be utilized to determine any past trauma, but you also need to be aware that it might take a while for a resident to be comfortable enough to disclose past trauma. So it's not enough to just do a on-admission trauma-informed care screening. You may need to touch back and see if anything new has come up as they've grown comfortable in their new home. COVID-19 also brought differing degrees of trauma due to the lockdown and loss of peers and loved ones. And there was a sense of fear for the unknown. So trauma comes in many forms and all should be considered. I know that we do have a tool that was developed by our own John Back that addresses COVID. And that is something to to consider um, using in order to capture anything that might have to do with that. All great examples. And, you know, COVID, like we like to think it's over. It just never is over. (laughs) And this is certainly a big area of trauma for sure. I I think you've pointed out that extended isolation and honestly, the fear created by all the media, to be honest, 
really, it just honestly has been unbearable for uh, everyone, but in particular, the senior population. Well, let's talk about those key elements for non-compliance uh, on this tag. Well, the key elements of non-compliance for F-699 includes the failure to identify cultural preferences of residents who are trauma survivors, failure to identify a resident's past history of trauma and or triggers which may cause re-traumatization, and a failure to consistently use approaches that are culturally competent and or trauma-informed. Um, a big part of understanding the tags and avoiding deficiencies is just knowing how the surveyors interpret noncompliance. And a vital part of that is knowing that they look at these key elements of noncompliance to guide them. So they will be looking at cultural competency and whether or not you've made those identifications. Sandy, would you like to tell the listeners how we're going to assist them with compliance? Well, we are in the process of creating some new uh, guide forms. Hope to get those out soon. And there are going to be action item checklists on each of those forms for the new areas. Some of those action items that will be included for this particular tag, of course, we want you to examine your policy and process for identifying residents with past trauma history. Was a trauma-informed consent screening obtained upon admission? That could be those assessment tools that we have in our EMR systems. Maybe it's a paper tool, something that you've gotten from a mental health group, but you want to make sure you're screening everyone on admission. And that's not quite enough. Was it then revisited quarterly to discover if the resident has maybe opened up to discussing past trauma? We don't wanna browbeat the resident constantly asking them if they've experienced trauma in their past, but you wanna really monitor that resident closely. If there are uh, behavioral changes, perhaps it could be related to some past trauma. Audit your resident medical records to determine if the screening matches what has been documented. Keep in mind, uh, if the resident loses several loved ones or displays intense grieving, the trauma-informed screening states they have no concerns, that could be a problem. And if there are discrepancies, you wanna make sure that you reassess those residents for needs. Yes, it's sometimes when when there's chart audits and you see that the trauma-informed care says there were no concerns, but then you start reading and they have lost their spouse, you know, they were in an accident, whatever it may be, they had COVID, they, they lived through Hurricane Ian, you know, that's not going to match. So you have to really make sure that you're mindful of what is being documented and how that screening went. As we stated earlier, we are here to provide the most up-to-date um, information and to provide tools to assist you. The guidance forms with the action item checklist will get you ready prior to the October 24th, 2022 deadline and beyond. Well, thank you all for joining us today for the continuing podcast series, Phase 3 Rules of Participation. As we gain more information from CMS or HCA, Leading Age, we'll be sure to get that out to you just as soon as we get it. I hope you're finding these discussions to be beneficial and will continue to join us as we continue our discussion of the phase three changes. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining me. I look forward to the next time. Thank you, Sandy. I always look forward to being with you on the podcast and I look forward to the next one. Thank you all, 
This is Sandy Toole and Jennifer Williams-Lamb signing off. I hope you join us next time on Healthcare Highwires.